typically uh, the age difference between the instructor and the student, um, it can go two ways. This is Flying with a Purpose, a podcast brought to you by Flight Review and Melbourne Flight Training. I'm David Allen, a student pilot currently pursuing my private pilot certificate. And I'm Derek Fallon, a certified flight instructor and the owner of Melbourne Flight Training. Got a question about flight training or aviation in general? We'd love to answer it. Details about how to send us your questions will be at the end of the show. Now, let's get to the good stuff. All right, so uh, welcome back to uh, Flying with a Purpose. Um, we are actually going to answer our first listener email today. Yay. Yeah. So uh, we actually got this email a little while ago, and we just haven't been able to get together to record. But uh, this comes from uh, Joe, and the, uh, the, the subject of the email is flight training pace. And it's not very long, so I'm going to read the whole thing, uh, and then we'll discuss it. Sound good? Okay. All right, he says, hey, guys, thanks very much for the great YouTube videos and now the podcast. The timing couldn't be better. A little background on myself. I recently enrolled in my local flight school, chose the Part 61 route. That's what we are. Good choice. Yep. Uh, very pick, flexible. It is very flexible. Picked the instructor that seemed a good match and got started. I have always wanted to learn to fly just for the pure enjoyment. I know a lot of people who are like that. Uh, my wife uh, bought in with the excitement of being able to travel for the weekend getaways. To get a step ahead, I have already passed my FAA knowledge test. I think that's cool information. Um, at 51 years old, I don't plan to go any further than my private pilot license. He says PPL. Uh, I do, however, want to enjoy the process of training with the end goal of being safe and proficient member of the aviation community. My question is, how do I know if my training pace is too fast. I now have five flights. I'm sure he has more than that now uh, by this time. Five flights with 3.9 hours logged. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around simple tasks. Most of the time while in the airplane, I feel overwhelmed. I've all, I have talked to my 22-year-old CFI about this, and he keeps reassuring me that it will all come together. Our personalities and schedules work well together, so I'm not sure if it's the age difference and he doesn't understand it takes longer for me to absorb the information, or I'm just not used to being that far out of my comfort zone and need to trust his plan. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Joe. So there's I have a, thoughts. There's, there's a lot of components. There's a to lot that. to that. Yeah, so a we'll lot. dissect it a little bit here, here and there. Um, I have thoughts, but I'd like to kind of hear what you think about it. Um, and and first off, what I will say is, my, so so my first my first thought on this is, well, you could really get help yourself get ahead by passing the FAA knowledge test first. But he said he's already done that. Mm -hmm. So so he, in my opinion, he's way ahead of the game. Yeah. What, what do you think about this? Uh, repetition is the mother of all learning. So looking at small picture, day-to-day, uh, -day, repetition is the mother of all learning, and you should keep at it. Keep going out. Uh, you said you were having trouble getting you know, the, the pace and the small stuff. Uh, just keep hitting it every day. Every iteration of every flight lesson, you're going to repeat kind of the same things and you're slowly going to get those things and nail them down. The CFI needs to be patient and he will be, or she, uh, I don't think he specified, uh, he didn't. but, uh, 
the, the CFI should be patient and know that, you know, it, with age a little bit comes a little bit, uh, they're not, it's not like a learning disability or anything, but it's just slower learning. It's just because, uh, the cognitive reflexes aren't as good as they are when you're very young. So you're learning a new skill at later in life and it's going to take a little bit more repetitions and a little bit more iterations. Just keep at it. You'll get it. And that's one of the things kind of, I th- what's the worst thing that happened in my opinion, what is the worst thing that happens if you bust a check ride? In my opinion, the worst thing that happens is you have to go fly more. Well, you're going to learn, right? So all the check rides I busted, I learned something from those check rides. So, but I mean, I, I wouldn't worry too much about busting the check ride now. Well, I'm not, and I'm not talking about specifically the check ride, but my, what I'm, what the point I'm trying to make in this case is that, oh no, you didn't learn it all. Let's go learn it again. Let's mm. go fly more. Oh, I like, see what it's you're just, saying. Yeah. You see. So, uh, there's, there's, there's a sentiment out there that says, uh, you should fly three times a week if you want to get your pilot's license within a reasonable amount of time. And I understand that the frequency helps, but uh, what if this guy has no aspirations of making a career out of it? He just wants to go flying. And if it takes him 60 or 80 or 100 or 120 hours to get his private pilot's license, is that a problem? The frequency of the iterations helps no matter who the student is. So it doesn't matter where you're going or what you're doing with your license. The more iterations you do in the shorter amount of time, the quicker you're going to learn it, the less you're going to lose over time. So if you do one lesson a week, you may lose a little bit during those six days that you wait for your next lesson. But if you do a lesson every other day, then you'll get it a lot faster. Don't push yourself though, because everybody has different fatigue levels. So everyone should be taking rest days where appropriate. So if every day is too much for you, do every other day. Or if five days a week, is the limit. Make sure you take those two days off either together or separate, maybe space them out, but don't push yourself past, you know, what your uh, ability to maintain, like uh, that you're able to see like what's in front of you. You know, if you can't like, if you can't pay attention because you're too tired because you've been working at this too much, take a break, you know? So. Uh, As a CFI who's been doing this for a long time, um, what do you, how, how do you tailor, do you by default tailor your training a little bit different for, for older people or younger people, or is it just on a case by case basis? Like what kind of things do you do to, to change the cha- training to accommodate the people their perhaps their learning styles? Well, they have to learn everything that's that part 61 says they have to learn. They have to get all the aeronautical knowledge, all the aeronautical experience. They have to be trained on all the same maneuvers. There's not really a different way to train other people, except that maybe you could break it down a little bit slower or you could do it faster. Um, But I think that the training would be the same no matter what. The only thing that you could do different, like big picture wise, is, okay, what type of flying is this person going to be doing? Are they going to be flying from point A to point B a lot? Or are they going to be doing uh, local area flights? I would start doing some experiential like scenario based training, which is typically a little bit more expensive. Um, but if, you know, if money's not uh, an issue and you want to put the time into the license and learn a lot, you know, you could start doing things in the airplane that you're, that you plan on doing after you get your license. Cause most of the training takes place within 25 miles of the airport for most 
private pilots. And then there's the cross countries. Um, but if you're going to be going back and forth to the Bahamas every day, you know, you might want your instructor to go through a few of those with you before you, uh, before you do it yourself. And that'll help you. It, it'll kind of, you'll help you learn more and you'll learn what you're going to be doing. And, uh, it kind of actually slows the pace of the training down a little bit. So if pace is a concern, um, like maybe I'm kind of seeing the 22 year old CFI as okay, very motivated for a professional career. Checklists are important, which they are, but you know, uh, profile based flying, get out there, get the maneuvers done and come back. That's not always very fun. So if you say, Hey, I'm going to go with my instructor today and I'm going to go fly along cross country with them. And we're going to sit up in the air at 6,500 feet and have time to talk about stuff and learn some new things and fly through, uh, some different areas of the state that you're in or whatever, you're going to pick up a lot more by being able to just kind of chill out in the airplane for a second instead of it being, all right, let's do a slow flight. Okay. Let's do a steep turn. Okay. Oh no, you just lost your engine. Okay. Let's go back and do touch and goes. And next thing you know, 1.2 hours is gone when you know, you feel like, you know, you haven't learned anything cause you haven't had a chance to even talk about it, but a lot like a long cross country and stuff like that, like spending time doing scenario based training gives you time to talk about and learn from what's happening in the airplane. Big picture. I feel like that's really good advice, especially because um, Joe says that the mission here for him or, or part of the excitement for him is him being able to go uh, do things and go places with his wife. Right. So. So, so I have a lot of customers just like that. And what we do is we we get in the airplane together and we, we come up with some sort of a mission that we have. Like um, he has a business meeting somewhere or they want to go out to dinner or they want to see something. So... I'll be the CFI. I'll be in the right seat. He'll fly the airplane. She rides in the back and we go do something and we're flying around weather. We're going, you know, a few hundred miles away from the airport. And he, he knows that he's going to be doing that when he buys his own plane. So we're doing it now in our planes so that he has the opportunity to see all that stuff. And we get to just hang out up in the air and I can pick any random thing and go, Hey, have you ever considered how the Garmin works? on the Garmin 430 and I could, you know, play with some menus and we can get some, you know, some time with the, with the avionics we can look at, pull the chart out, look at the chart, look at airspace, where are we flying? What's the weather look like? And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun and they get a lot from it because you just get to, I mean, you're moving along through the air, but you get to stop and just learn and look around. Cool. I think that's awesome. Um, anything else you think we should say about this email? There was a lot in it. I think that we've, pre- I think we've covered it well. Um, you know, the some of the things that stood out to me is our personalities and our schedules work well together. That's important. That's really important. That's super important because you have to get along with your instructor. And it's obvious to me that your instructor respects you if you get along well, because typically uh, the age difference between the instructor and the student. Um, it can go two ways. One, the young punk attitude of the young punk instructor, you know, Oh, this guy, he's, he's old. I I see him as an older person and why doesn't he get it? You know? And then it's the other way around. So like, if you get an older instructor with a younger student, they just see like this young kid who's just got, you know, maybe, uh, an attitude that isn't, you know, very safe or very mature. So they look, you know, they may look down on them and, but, but you can have a crew, an instructor and a student in a cockpit where, you know, if they mesh well together and they have a big age difference, that's actually really good. I think your, your instructor is really a understanding person. 
Good. And um, to slow down the pace, like you said, that long, the cross-country stuff, the mission-based stuff, he said he has five flights with 3.9 hours logged, which means those flights are very short. They're all, you know, most of them or all of them are under an hour anyway. So, um, so I think, I think that might be an interesting thing. I'd love to hear if, if Joe does uh, try to do that. I'd love to hear some of that, his experience with that, see if it works out. And I can see that as right now your instructor is just trying to get you to solo. You want to, you want to be able to land the airplane by yourself because one of the most, the most enjoyable parts of flying somewhere else is landing there. (laughs) So he wants to get you to land first. And then, you know, if you got to do the experiential based training, then, you know, you want to be able to successfully land at the airport you're going to without having any help from the instructor. So that is important that, you know, the iterations stay more frequent and short for now, get the solo done, but big picture wise, the training it, it can be at your pace, whatever you want, but it's it's got to include kind of what you want to do once you have your profile certificate so you get the most out of your training. And, you know, all of my training so far, they've, the flights have been an hour or more, but it's still all that pre-solo stuff. I haven't soloed the airplane yet. I, I, I feel like once we start the cross-country portion that things kind of do slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is that a true statement or yep. is that – okay. Well, I won't – back off any i mean i'm gonna be asking you how fast are we going where's the wind coming from where's your next checkpoint how much time till we get there i mean the cfi should be kind of keeping things moving forward but it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of you know time of just sitting in the airplane with another person where you're just kind of taking it all in and enjoying it which is super important because that's why we're doing this right right so cool yeah well, Joe, thanks so much for, for sending us this email. And anybody else who wants to send us an email, you can do that at uh, podcast at flightreview.tv. We would love to answer your questions on the show. And uh, we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to you guys at the next episode. It, it would be interesting. And I'm sorry, David, but it would be interesting to see uh, if we can get some feedback from our answers and see how it went forward. Uh, and, if, and if what we were, you know, the advice we were giving you is, is correct. Yeah, we'd love to hear that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, Joe, send us an email as soon as you uh, you know once you once you once you hear this and maybe try some of this stuff out. That'd be awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Flying with a Purpose. If you'd like us to consider answering your question on the show, send us an email to podcast at flightreview.tv. That's podcast at flightreview.tv. We would love to hear from you. Also, check out the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash flight review for the latest flight training episode. Derek is trying to turn me into a pilot in front of the world. Finally, if you like this show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out to have some five-star ratings, especially when we are just starting out. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Flying with a Purpose. Thank you.